1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never
0: Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, today I want to start with a story that has been on my radar for a few months. In March 2009, Miss Virginia, 2008, Tara Wheeler... Uh, was attempting to raise money to shave her head and okay. she wanted to shave her head because as Miss Virginia, she visited all these kids who had cancer and they went to school and they were mocked because they didn't have any hair. So she wanted to be able to go to the hospital and say to them, hey, I'm a beauty queen and I'm bald, too. So she went to the Miss America people and they said, mm, you know, if you're going to shave your head, I mean, we want you to raise a lot of money. And so, basically, they put a price on her hair, and it was $500,000. Wow. So, she needed to raise $500,000 before the Miss America pageant, which had her under all sorts of contracts, would let her shave her head. So, what happened, Molly? Let me tell you, Kristen. She did not meet her fundraising goal. You know, there are some, you know, if you read the blog comments on this, people are kind of grousing that Miss America set it so high that she would never reach it because they didn't want a bald beauty queen. Um. And, you know, we, in our last podcast, we talked about how women have this emotional attachment to their hair. There's no choice a woman can make, be it length, color, you know, style that doesn't say something about herself to the outside world. So obviously, Miss America didn't want to have this statement about baldness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but after her reign, as Miss Virginia was over, even though she did not raise the full amount. She did raise a good chunk of change, though, for pediatric cancer. It was pretty awesome. Um, after her reign was over, she went to a bar and in front of everyone, shaved her head.
1: Awesome, Completely bald.
0: Good for her. Good for her. But, you know, that's voluntary baldness. It's very easy to say, oh, man, what a great show of solidarity. But do you remember all those, um, like, would you rather questions? And there were things like, would you rather be completely bald or completely hairy? Uh-huh. Like, you know, whenever bald came up against anything else, that one was always a hard one for me to pick. Oh, Molly, I'd take bald. Ever being completely hairy? Yeah, one word. Wigs. I think you always, then when someone says wigs, you always say, but you can't have any wigs. You always keep having to qualify it.
1: hate that game.
0: (laughs) But there are some women, my point, even though we've, we've gone into a little would you rather, my point is that there are a lot of women who don't get to make that choice for
1: themselves. Right. Um, Actually, according to the American Academy of Dermatology, around 30 million women in the U.S. deal with serious hair loss every year, which was far higher than I would have guessed if you'd said, tell me how many women in the U.S. have a problem with baldness.
0: And because of all the things we talked about in our last podcast, it's almost sort of this silent thing you go through in private because it's too hard to admit to someone that you are losing your hair. If it is this ultimate symbol
1: of femininity and womanhood, then you don't admit you don't have hair. Right. And it's even come down to the point that uh, female baldness has not been studied nearly as much as male baldness. And only recently have they begun to understand underlying causes. Right. So let's let's try and share what they do know about female baldness. Well, we know how hair
0: grows, Molly. That's true. And I think we touched on this in our Do You Need to Shampoo Your Hair podcast. Mm-hmm. But really briefly, um, your hair grows about a half inch per month. And at any given time, about 80 to 90% of all your hair is in the antigen phase, which means it's growing. Yes.
1: And then after the antigen comes the resting. The resting. Everyone needs a good rest after all that growth. So about what? Like, you know, 20, 10, 10, 20% of your hair is just resting. It's in the telogen phase. Mm -hmm. And then
0: after it rests, it will shed itself from your head. And if you've ever cleaned out your shower drain, you know that there's a normal amount of shedding that goes on with a woman's hair. It is it is a gross thing to clean up. Yeah. But anyway, if anything goes wrong in either stage of that process, be it antigen or telogen, then there will be hair loss
1: yeah the type of hair loss that we usually think about would be like male pattern baldness mm-hmm. female pattern baldness which um is we can collectively refer to that as androgenic alopecia
0: right and this is when a group of hormones called androgens interfere with the process and the big culprit here i mean you know there are testosterone testosterones involved to some extent but the big one that everyone watches is called dihydrotestosterone or dht
1: Yeah, basically what happens is testosterone is converted to DHT, and sometimes during that process, it can harm your hair follicles. Right, it can shrink the hair
0: follicles, which will affect how much hair is growing at any given time, and then follicles can eventually die because so much DHT has bound itself to a hair follicle.
1: And now we might associate that, obviously, with men because we don't think that women would have high levels of male testosterone. And it doesn't mean that women who have uh, pattern baldness, the alopecia necessarily have a ton of testosterone surging through their veins because all women have lower levels of DHT and testosterone. And even those lower levels can trigger this pattern baldness. Right, which is why um, some researchers
0: don't even like to give the, the, the condition the same name as male. You know, we're saying um, androgenic, but there are some who don't like that term when it relates to women. This is more thought of as sort of the hereditary form of baldness. If you go bald for this reason, it might be because your mother also had problems with this hormone attaching itself to follicles. So to some extent, it's hereditary, But there are also a lot of underlying causes. So before we go into all the underlying causes, let's talk about some other forms of baldness.
1: Yeah, the next form of baldness I think we should talk about would be telogen effluvium. And this is basically uh, the type of baldness that happens because of shifts, major shifts in hormones. And it can also be caused by environmental factors, such as being in a car crash or being under intense stress. Right. So
0: what happens is there can either be, yes, a big stressful event that all of a sudden just shocks your hair into going into a resting phase. And when you have more hair in a resting phase, then obviously you've got more hair on deck to be shed. Um, or it can happen over time, a buildup of hormones. Like let's say you go on birth control. There are a lot of women who lose their hair because that buildup of
1: hormones affects the hair. And this is also the type of thing that can happen right after childbirth because the same hormones that are stimulating fetal growth also stimulate hair growth. And so, and I know this has happened to, uh, friends of mine who've gotten pregnant. Their hair just grows like crazy when yeah. they first get pregnant. And then once they have the child, the hormone levels drop and then their hair is kind of shocked into this telogen phase. And so they experience hair loss. Right. And it's, it's, you know, you can read a lot of, um, pregnancy
0: literature about how shocking that is to be a new mother and then all of a sudden to have no hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what was most surprising to me in researching this podcast is we think about, Um, female hair loss happening to older women. You know, obviously one of the biggest hormonal shifts your body will go through is menopause. So we associate that change happening at menopause and older women having bald spots. But I really didn't know much about the birth control aspect or the childbirth aspect or just how at any stage of your life as a young woman... You can lose your hair.
1: Yeah. And then you have um a third type of uh, of balding that's called antigen effluvium. And this is what's associated with chemotherapy.
0: Right. The point of chemotherapy is to attack all the rapidly dividing cells in your body because that's how cancer cells are acting in your body. They're rapidly dividing and spreading the cancer. But the other cells that are rapidly dividing in your body are your hair cells. So basically, it freezes out that growing process in your hair, sends it into telogen, and that's why you lose so much hair as soon as you start chemotherapy.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, um, this is a more, uh, rarer type of, uh, of hair loss, but it's something called traction alopecia. And this has to do with actual hair care. Like if you wear your hair in very, very tight braids, um, it can actually cause your hair to eventually fall out. Now, this doesn't mean like we, you know, that just because I wear my hair in a ponytail every day that I'm going to end up bald. Right. It has to be a style that you maintain. A- for several years. And that was something I took
0: away from these articles, Kristen, is that there's really nothing women can do in terms of caring for their hair. You can't use like a bad shampoo or brush it too many times and make it fall out eventually. What they're trying to get across with this stuff about um, some of these ways that females go bald is that it's likely that they have an underlying condition that they need to get checked out as opposed to the men who are probably just having some sort of hereditary action.
1: And Molly, one of the main underlying conditions that can trigger female baldness is polycystic ovarian disorder. And then on top of that, according to WebMD, things like thyroid disorders, anemia, chronic illness, um, severe dieting, and even certain medications can also contribute to it. So there could be a whole host of reasons why a woman, a woman might be losing her hair. Right. With the polycystic ovary syndrome and other um,
0: autoimmune diseases, sometimes the hair loss is the first symptom that you have. So it's really important to go get to the root of the problem, as they say, to throw a little hairpin in there, um, to not just assume that you're going bald because of your age or because you're unlucky, that there might actually be something going on with your body. But women might not want to go get this checked out because, as we've said, it's so shameful not to have hair in this society.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but for some women who are losing their hair, it can be literally a painful process, not just emotionally painful, but it can actually hurt yeah, I was
0: reading about this condition called trichodynia, and a third of the women who experience hair loss claim to their doctors that their hair is physically painful to them. And what was kind of weird is that I was reading all these scholarly articles about the condition of which there are not that many and so many male researchers were just saying, oh, this is on the women's heads because they're so sad they're losing their
1: hair. Yeah, they just process pain differently, so it's just a woman's plight. But there is um, also a chance that the follicles are actually inflamed or they have a jolt of the neuropeptide P in their scalp that is causing legitimate pain in, in that hair that's falling out.
0: So if a woman goes in and complains of trichodynia, what some doctors will do is, is just put them on antidepressants to deal with this emotional stress of losing hair. But the nice thing about, well, I don't want to say there's a nice thing about female pattern baldness, but to some extent, a lot of this baldness is reversible. It's likely not reversible if there's a hereditary thing going on. But, you know, if you're on birth control and that's what's causing it, they can put you on a different birth control. If you are really stressed, you can learn, you know, how to reduce the stress in your life. After childbirth, it grows back after a few months. So a lot of these things, once you address the underlying cause, be it, you know, a nutritional deficiency, or a
1: medication, then the hair does grow back. But like we said earlier in the podcast, Molly, there simply has not been as much research around female baldness as there has been with male baldness. So there are not as many treatment option options out there, but the, but women can use minoxidil and hopefully have some of that hair grow back.
0: Right. There has been luck like with
1: topical application of it. Um, but you know, as,
0: the American Hair Loss Association put it, there aren't a whole lot of drug companies who are rushing to study uh baldness cures for women. So if it does look like it's permanent, as opposed to one of these temporary baldnesses, then you're a little bit more out of luck.
1: Mm-hmm. But Molly, there was one condition also that you ran across when you're doing all this research on hair loss that, that affects women more than men. And it's a case where people are actually pulling their hair out of their head. They're not, it's not baldness. They're Literally ripping their hair from their bodies. Right. It's called
0: trichotillomania, and I wrote a blog about it a few weeks ago on our blog, How To Stuff. But basically in this condition, which, as you said, does affect women a lot more, they literally pull out hair wherever they can find it, mainly from their heads, maybe their eyebrows, eyelashes, uh, the pubic area. And then it's, it's probably very close to Tourette's syndrome based on research they've done about the genes involved, where it's just a nervous tick that you can't stop, and it causes these women great shame for the same reason that it causes any woman who doesn't have as much hair as is societally acceptable. Great shame.
1: Right. And there is a range of behaviors associated with it. Like for some, it it might be a woman you're know, pulling a hair out you know once a day you know nothing mm-hmm. too bad you're not going to be able she's not going to have a huge bald patch because of it but then for some people it's almost a ritualistic process of finding the right hair some women will report even feeling certain hairs that they need to pull out and then it can also be associated with underlying depression and anxiety as a form of a self self soothing mechanism to alleviate that emotional pain mm-hmm.
0: And most women, after they pull the hair out, usually play with it or put it in their mouth. So one big side effect of this condition is hairballs, which can cause vomiting and all sorts of gastrointestinal problems. In addition to the shame and guilt women feel, you know, whether you're whatever reason you're losing your hair, it seems to me based on all this research is that you're going to have all this shame and guilt associated with it. It may be because, you know, you don't know why it's happening in the case of something like Alopecia, Or it might just be because you don't understand why you're doing it to yourself with the trichotillomania. Because there's this huge emotional weight associated with hair, any loss of it is just traumatic and women go to great lengths to disguise it. But mm-hmm. I think that the lesson we want people to take away from this is that whether you're pulling it out yourself or whether it's just coming out in huge clumps, you need to head to the doctor.
1: Yeah, you need to head to the doctor because even with uh, trichotillomania, uh, you can get help for it. It is classified as an impulse control disorder. And so a lot of times um, doctors will prescribe um, either antidepressants or um, certain drugs that have been used to treat OCD. And uh, then there's another antioxidant they've recently discovered um, that's in a lot of health food supplements that can curb that impulse to pull your hair out. And then they'll do that along with some cognitive behavioral therapy to address whatever underlying anxiety or depression might be urging you know pushing you to act out and pull pull your hairs out so moral of the podcast don't be ashamed go to the doctor don't be ashamed go to the doctor yeah for me it was enlightening just to know that 30 million women out there have a problem with baldness. And I think that it's something, you know, the more women are aware of it and the more we're going to our doctors, the more researchers are going to start paying more attention to these problems and having more resources out there for us.
0: Okay. Sounds good. And as always, we want to hear your comments and questions about anything we talk about. You can email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And let's finish up with some listener mail. All right. Someone who did email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And this is about the podcast, Are Women Funny? And it's from our listener, Ked, who's a girl comic, as she puts it, in New Orleans, Louisiana. She does stand-up comedy and she is one of a handful of the female comics in the city. And what I liked about her email is she sent in her, her anthropologist style observations about the comedy scene. Ready? Yes. Number one, comedy is male dominated, even local comedy. I am usually the only girl in the show, and if I'm not the only girl, I will almost certainly be the only lesbian. Number two, boys can talk about pooping. Girls can't, no matter how attractive or thin the girl is. Number three, if there is a large comic community, the guys can get catty just as catty as the performers at drag shows. She also does a lot of work with um, drag shows. I forgot to mention that in the intro. Number four, interesting fact. The stand-up comics seem to look down on the improv comics. I'm not sure if this is a local thing or not, but um, I think I got another email from someone else who also who also had the same observation. Mm -hmm. Stand-up is better. Number five, when I do comedy, I acknowledge the audience directly. I know it comes from hosting the drag shows because apart from the host, I am the only comic who looks audience members in the eye and asks them non-rhetorical questions. Other comics act like they're on stage in front of a huge audience. So there you go. She makes more of a connection with the audience. Awesome.
1: Well, if you're in New Orleans, you should, you should check out our awesome mom stuff listeners, hilarious comedy and learn why, yes, women are funny. And if you want to read some of our funny and probably pretty unfunny things that we're writing during the week, you can head over to our blog. It's called how to stuff. Like Molly said, she wrote about trichotillomania couple of weeks ago if you want to learn more about that and as always um, if you want to learn more about hair disorders scalp care hair doodads and all those things you can go over to our website it's called howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com want more howstuffworks check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage.